Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. It was common for a wigwam site to be occupied by two or more related families. In order for all these people to get along with one another, there were rules of etiquette which everyone followed. Respect was shown to people older than oneself. Women and girls slept on one side, men and boys on the other. If a person wanted to be left alone, he or she moved against the wigwam wall. The others would not bother or talk to this person until they moved more to the center of the wigwam, near the fire pit. That's the music of Medicine Dream, an intertribal band based in Alaska that was led by Paul Pike, our brother Mi'kmaq, and our guest this week. Paul is not only a master musician, but a very active member of the Mi'kmaq community in Western Newfoundland. I talked to Paul about his musical and life journey, and about culture as a healing agent for our fractured Mi'kmaq community. Suffering as we are, the frustration of arbitrary government processes that have left some of us with status cards and many without. But we are all Mi'kmaq. Going forward, how can we build a welcoming Mi'kmaq culture open to all, regardless of status? And we're pleased to have Paul Pike with us today. People will know uh, Paul as a, a very active member of the Mi'kmaq community in Western Newfoundland, a member of the Quebec music scene uh, back in the day, a member of the band Illusion. And then for 20 years, Paul was uh, somewhere completely different or not so different in Alaska living and working with Aboriginal people, making music with the intertribal band Medicine Dream. Uh, so, Paul, that's, a, you know, that's a, a story in and of itself. And perhaps you could tell us how you got from Cornerbrook to Alaska. Well, first of all, Glenn, thanks for having me on your show. Um, it was uh, in 19, it was actually September 3rd, 1990. Uh, I moved to Alaska. I uh, had, uh, at that time, I had met a lady that I was uh, uh, on my way up. I was going to get married, and life was going to be happier ever after. <laughs> so I um, I ended up performing with a group called Medicine, or excuse me, um, Fear of Flying. It was a group I was in uh, from Montreal. And prior to September 3rd, that summer, I had performed up there with the group and boy I just loved it I, I was in Anchorage at the time um, the, I really liked the diversity there's a lot of cultural diversity and uh, I mean amongst different people uh, there were there were people from different Asian cultures Hispanic um, Russian 
uh, and over 200 federally recognized tribes all recognized in the area. In fact, uh, in Anchorage, just the school district alone has more than 200 languages spoken. So it was like, wow, uh, there's so much to experience. And musically, uh, there was a lot of push, uh, luckily, for original music, original compositions. And so uh, anyway, that's kind of how I got started. Uh, got up there. I fell in love with the place. It was a lot like Newfoundland. Uh, bigger mountains, but you know the the love for the land with the people and everybody's down to earth. It was very much like home, and mm-hmm. it was my home for quite a long time. Even though I I stayed in constant contact with Newfoundland and and uh, with my family here, and I was home every single year. But um, it was I was up there for quite a long time. It wasn't until the last fifteen years that I I just decided I I need to make the jump and I need to go home. I, this is what I need to do. Yes. Now, Medicine Dream, and people can uh, can hear a lot of Medicine Dream music uh, online if they just uh, look it up. Uh, there's some uh, videos there and um, uh, great listening. The I think uh, if I could describe the music, I would describe it as kind of rock pop music with uh, traditional Aboriginal elements, uh, singing, drumming. So it was a um, it was uh, a combination, I guess, a reflection of uh, of modern life, a uh, mixture of the modern and the traditional. Uh, you you wrote most of the you wrote most of the songs, and what what were what was your inspiration in uh, in writing the words? I think uh, for myself. I think as Mi'kmaq people, we have a story to tell. Uh, we've had a story to tell for many years. I just wanted to contribute to that. And even though it was on a world stage, singing songs, uh, talking about what Joey Smallwood had done, <laughs> or mm. whatever, talking about you know a beautiful place just outside of Cornerbrook, up the Cornerbrook stream, uh, learning to sing, uh, learning to appreciate the serenity of the beautiful land that we have here. Whether I was singing about that, it didn't. People could relate to that, even though I was singing in Alaska or Arizona or wherever I was at at the time. They could relate to our experience as Native people here in Newfoundland. Mm. And you were, and it was, it was your, your Aboriginal uh, history and stories, and the people helping to tell the stories were other members of other uh, Indigenous uh, tribes, as they call them in the U.S. Uh, in Alaska. What was it like uh, being with? Um, with other indigenous people, was it uh, an easy relationship? Did you have to prove your credentials to be accepted? Uh, what was that uh, relationship like? Oh no, it was there was no proving. It was just we were just human beings sharing a, an experience of life. I I, um, I met them. Uh, Anchorage uh, in Alaska in general has quite a, a large intertribal community actually, and uh, it's not just Alaska Native peoples, but there are people from all over. Uh, and we have a lot of multicultural gatherings, and I, I met these people. I was just in awe of not only of their talent, but um, uh, as people. They were A lot of them were doing other things for the community, whether, you know, wellness and things like that. So I really I really liked what they were about as people, and um, I, I didn't want a group of people that were just about performing. We wanted to be doing something with that performance, so we were telling stories. We were helping to um, uplift people who may have felt oppressed or uh, 
there are people that are suffering from addictions and whatnot and families that have been torn apart as a result of that. So being able to come together as a group and, and share, you know what, we are more than uh, the misery that we hear in the newspapers. We all have a success story also to tell as Native peoples in our community. So we just wanted to be a part of that as well. Now, you're back in... Uh... You're back in Mingba territory at a um, at a uh, both uh, a positive time. We do have a uh, a First uh, Nation, a Halibut Mi'kmaq First Nation, but we also have uh, uh, challenges at the moment with the enrollment uh, process and uh, a lot of negativity and um, bitterness. I think is fair to say among people who have not. Uh, been accepted and and may not have the uh, the plastic uh, card going forward. Do you see something positive that might have that might uh, emerge of a, out of our present difficulties? And um, does anything that you learned in Alaska um, is it helpful for us uh, in our in our moment here? I I uh, I believe that we are a very resilient people. And that we will, uh, you know, despite all the feelings we have right now, and we're we have justifiable feelings. We have a lot of feelings of being wronged and whatnot with the, the process. But I think that um, overall we are going to persevere. And uh, you know, there are people that uh, have come to identify themselves as Mi'kmaq because of the card. And but the truth is, we've been Mi'kmaq here a long time before the card. Um, we've had Mi'kmaq events here before the card. We've had, uh, you know, uh, in, my, in my experience of performing and traveling and uh, being in the group of Medicine Dream and, and all my time in Alaska, no one had ever asked me uh, to prove my uh, culture through a card or anything. So uh, for people who feel that I have to have this card in order to participate in learning their language, or anything cultural, but they don't need it. And if, I've never seen anyone be asked to uh, have to prove uh, uh, a status card in order to participate in anything cultural. So um, mm. if anyone is listening, I hope that they'll continue to come out and, and uh, be a part of their culture because the status card doesn't define them. So going forward, how, um, how do we bring... Uh the different parts of the community together because, um, as I say, there will be people who have cards and people who don't. Um, is there a way to um, to build a community so that uh, so we cross that barrier and have one community uh, regardless of someone has a card in their wallet? I think we need to continue to come together, whether that's... Uh... Uh, having uh, potlucks and, and uh, you know, bringing, having food, bringing people together to share. I know uh, I'm, myself and my girlfriend, we, we volunteer to teach uh, beadwork class in Corner Brook at the Old Majestic Theater there. And on Tuesdays, we volunteer teaching to uh, people to learn different beading arts in the hopes that uh, they'll continue on with that. Um, and it, there's no requirement for status card. It doesn't matter where you're from. We just, we just want people to come out and be a part of. So I think if we just continue to encourage that, uh, and as musicians, or you know, we have a story to tell here, um, and we really need everybody to tell their story, whether it's musicians or other artists or storytellers, uh, 
being able to come together and just share this. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes out of negative things, positive things can emerge. But right. most importantly, I think that we're going to see that long past this process, whatever happens, the Mi'kmaq people will still be there because we've always been there. Now, speaking of culture and uh, and music, you are a uh, you are a musician, and um, of course, we have Mi'kmaq people who are musicians. Is there a Mi'kmaq music scene uh, in uh, in Western and Central Newfoundland? And and if so, how do we hear more of that? Because uh, I think there are people uh, out there who are worthy of our ears, but we we just don't hear about. I, I don't believe there's a scene per se at this moment. There are Mi'kmaq musicians, and um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of Mi'kmaq artists. Conrad Simon, he's one of the best guitarists I've ever heard. He's from New Brunswick originally. Joel Denny from Eskatoni, and a group called Member Two. Those are just a few. Uh, but there are Mi'kmaq musicians that have been composing music and performing for years as with regards to here in Newfoundland. Um, I know we have some younger groups that are starting up. We have some traditionally influenced groups as well as contemporary. Um, Angela Brown, uh, there's Bobby White, who's an awesome country singer from Flat Bay. There's all these people that have stories to tell, and we just need an avenue to be able to share that. Um, and I don't know if you've heard, there's a a radio station here in town trying to get going called the Bay of Islands Radio. Absolutely. Uh, Available online, boir.ca. Yes. And, uh, well, I'm really trying to hope and support them to get a radio tower so that they can, you know, promote uh, our stories and our songs and because uh, we really do need a local voice. So, um, you know, so those are some ways that we can get and create a scene. You know, as they say, if there isn't a scene, you can create one. It's just a matter of people caring about it and uh, taking the time to express themselves. Because I know uh, Western Newfoundland in particular has some of the greatest talent per capita I've ever seen. And we just need an avenue, a, a vehicle, so to speak, to be able to share that. This is very special because you don't do a lot of shows these days. But on Thursday, May 25th, you and some musician friends will be in Norris Point for a show. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I'm, yes, going to be formed. It's called the Trails and Tales. They do that in the summertime up there. Um, and my, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to be performing with another Mi'kmaq musician that some people may have heard of. Uh, and he's actually my cousin, Brian McHugh. Um, you may have heard him on CBC. But Absolutely. And Brian himself is a tremendous musician for anyone who's ever seen him. A uh, world-class bass player. Uh, classical guitarist, the guy can play anything. <laughs> and I'm so honored that he's agreed he's going he's gonna to join me on stage to perform uh, some of my music and my music that I've composed with Medicine Dream. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that will, be, uh, that will be a special night. Yes. Paul, thank you very much. Thank you for all your work on behalf of the community, and um, have a great time in Norris Point. Thank you so much. Take care, Glenn. Paul Pike, musician and Mi'kmaq culture builder. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to Halibu artist Marcus Goss for permission to use Celebration Time. Follow us on Twitter at Mi'kmaq Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. 
Check us out online, migma-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. And we leave you with the Migma Word of the Week. Solite wheat means collecting for charity. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.